This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Business Women. And you are listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how to build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we will discuss how to provide great customer service and great products. We will explore ideas on balancing both sides of the guests' businesses, learn how to get goods from suppliers into the hands of customers, and navigating all those relationships along the way. We'll get to our guests right after this message from our sponsor. Since 1937, the Chronicle of the Horse has been the industry leader in coverage of national and international sport horse competition. Advertising in the Chronicle of the Horse magazine, its companion lifestyle publication, Untacked, or their dynamic website, social media platforms, and e-newsletters will take your company's message to the largest English discipline competition equestrian audience in the United States. They've been ringside since 1937 and welcome your brand to join their community today. Visit them at coth.com. That's C-O-T-H for chronicleofthehorse.com. Our first guest, Adrian Marciano, fell in love with horses and riding at an early age. After receiving a marketing degree at St. Joseph's University, she went on to win many competitions as an amateur rider, including Best Amateur Jumper Rider at the Devon Horse Show. In 2016, she started a cruelty-free brand that combined her two passions, her love of animals and fashion. Her brand, Ruspari, gained notoriety after she designed and introduced the very first elastic belt with a flat interlocking clasp to the equestrian marketplace. Her brand that originated in the equestrian industry is now widely accredited in the marketplace after being picked up by the largest luxury retail department store, Nordstrom's. Adrienne is able to combine her love of being an equestrian with her passion of creating high-end equestrian-inspired cruelty-free accessories. Our guest, Lindsay Bailey, is a 33-year-old USDF bronze medal and vice president of Long Island's top suppliers for equine feed, shavings, hay at Neptune Feed and Saddlery. She was born and raised on Long Island by a horse-loving family, and Lindsay graduated from St. Joseph's College with a bachelor's degree in business and a minor in marketing and Spanish with the intentions of running and taking over the family business. Getting up at 4.30 every morning, she rides her horses back to back before she goes to the store. Lindsay finds time to do equine nutritional consulting and continues to focus on expanding the business in every way possible. So we're really happy to have Lindsay and Adrian joining us today on the podcast. And thank you guys for taking time to talk to us when we booked both of you. We looked at the types of businesses you have. And although it's kind of different products and services, we know that you both are extremely invested in providing a really good customer experience and wanted to talk to you about that and how you guys made that part of your business plan and and what kind of things you know were most important to you. Adrian and I go back a long ways. Um, she was my very first intern at the Winter Equestrian Festival 11 years ago. Oh, it's so, a long time ago. 
It was a long time ago. But it wasn't. Connor and I went to college together. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, we rode on the equestrian team, so lots of history there as well. And it's really nice to meet you, Lindsay. Yeah, I think maybe just kind of starting with our thoughts. What do you guys focus on more? Just your products, or is it the customer experience? Like, how are those things weighted in your business experience, Adrian? Maybe you could start. Absolutely. The customer experience for us is everything really without our customers really liking our products and wanting to come to the website and finding that the website is user-friendly and finding that we're really friendly without our customer, we're not really anything. So it's a huge integral part of our company. The customer is always right. We always try and accommodate. We do a lot of custom sizing requests. This happened recently. If a customer needs a custom size, we can do things like that. Little problems will happen here and there. And it's everything about how you handle the situation. And I'm lucky I had a lot of experience, not just with you, which was an amazing and incredible experience to be able to work alongside of you. I learned so much. And a lot of what I do now was the premise was really learning about the press releases and how to write them and how to keep people excited. And that was just so useful. But I also had some other jobs doing what people would consider to be menial, working in Bloomingdale's at the fragrance counter in between jobs at one point, and just really seeing from there's corporate and then there's all the way down and and really interacting with the customer. And if a customer is frustrated, you have to sort of fix that experience. For sure, we've had like hiccups along the way if a customer is not happy with something. But I really think the core of the company is really the customers that purchase. So you really have to accommodate them. And we're lucky we don't have a lot of high maintenance customers. But overall, we really want to provide that amazing experience for them. Lindsay, in the in, with the feed company, you guys have a lot of contact with your customers on a regular basis and really have to service them. I think that they go hand in hand, especially our the structure of my company and the direction that we're always going in. Without the product, you can't give the customer the best experience possible and our business because 90% of our business is delivery. The experience is getting the product as well as not just obtaining the product, a customer, a really good load of hay. And that horse does really well on the hay. I've kind of just fulfilled both of those. A lot of our customers, I don't want to call them high maintenance, but they expect a certain level of service. And we are very good at providing that level of service because I'm a stickler for dotting our I's and crossing our T's and white glove service all the way to make sure that whatever product we are delivering, whether it's a quart of fly spray, a salt brick, one bag of goat food, or 300 bales of hay, they're getting the best service possible. And Lindsay, I know yours is mostly in person. Adrian, is all of your customer service online in chats and emails and phone calls? Emails, once in a while, texting, But I see a lot of customers within the equestrian industry, obviously, at the horse shows. 
So I get to interact with them at the horse shows, which is really neat. They'll say something about, oh, I sent you an email and you responded. And it's nice meeting people that way, which is really cool. Yeah. Do you think it's harder to build relationships with your customers since it is more online based? Absolutely. I think Lindsay has a different... So she really knows her customers. I don't know all of my customers, but we do try to make the experience online more personal than other brands or other clothing and accessory companies. We do really try to do that. There are certain things that we'll do for the customer and we do try to make it as personal as we can. I deal with besides on a customer base, dealing with vendors as well. I mean, we I have all the brands, Ariad, Grump, Pacor, Charles Owen, GPA. And I mean, dealing with vendors on a firsthand basis as well. Like what Adrian is saying, <laughs> I'm also purchasing from vendors like Adrian. So in order for me to have a good experience, to be able to pass that experience on to my customer is crucial. So I think that everything that she's saying is a hundred percent accurate and spot on to be able to give that, even whether she's not getting to meet the customers firsthand and talk to every single one of them on the phone or via text message. She's giving giving that to her tax store or whatever that might be to be able for them to pass it on. Mm-hmm. So just to touch on the question that you asked, Jen. So we really try, as I said before, to make it personal. So this year in Wellington, we sort of tested out since it's a small area and there's a high concentration of our customers in this area. We did something with local deliveries and it wasn't me doing the deliveries, but it was somebody going there and just dropping off the package. And if they saw the customer to be friendly to them, I think that sort of small business feel and that personal experience, as much as we can do it, we do try to incorporate it in our business. That's great. And that obviously builds brand loyalty. How do you guys work to gain loyal customers? In order to gain a loyal customer, I think there has to be a level of relationship there. In order to have a repeat customer, they have to have a very good experience from the first conversation that they have to getting the product and using the product and being able to call back and repeat the same process again. I think that if you, especially in the equine industry, it helps because I ride every single day and I'm always in the horses, whether it's myself riding or with the business, you know your people and you also know that you are going to do right by them, whatever means that may be. So if that means that you have to drive to a horse show because a horse just stepped on their reins and they have a class in an hour and they need a set of reins and there's not a tax store there that has them, then that's what you do. Or a horse just came home from emergency colic surgery and needs a specific type of feed and they'll be there in an hour and the horse needs to have dinner, then that's what you do. And getting that customer to have that kind of relationship with you that you are the one person that they can always count on and that is always going to have their back and be their advocate, that will give you a loyal customer for life. So that instead of them shopping where they can get it a dollar cheaper, they're going to go with you because that experience has far surpassed anything else that they've had with anyone else. I think for us, obviously, we talked a lot about the customer experience. That is a huge part of it. But at the core of everything, we really make a solid product. We were the first to solve a problem and offer a product that did that, which was 
a flexible belt with a flat clasp. And at the time, there was nothing else out there that did that in the equestrian industry. We're not saying we invented the elastic belt for, by any means, but we were the first to bring it to the equestrian market. And now there is a lot of other little brands that have emerged because of that. And that's great for them, but our product is solid. If there's a problem ever, we, like we said, have great customer service. And I believe our products are truly unique. I mean, every season there's a collection and there's a lot of people excited about our collections. And with every season, yeah, it brings a new collection and people love the products and they know they're really well made and they know they solve a problem. And I really think the customer service and the product really create a loyal brand following. And it's interesting because they want the original. Do you, how much of that is talking to your customers and getting their feedback and, and knowing what's the next thing they're looking for? I do listen to customers and I try to take in all the feedback, but the reality is I sort of just have inspiration for different collections. And instead of, for instance, traveling on the road to Traverse City, where I really want to go, um, <laughs> I sort of hunker down in the summers and I plan all my collections for the following year. It's really, I love showing at WEF, but I found that traveling a lot, I can't create we're at a pivotal point right now, partnering with Nordstrom's. I really want the brand to succeed and I plan for the long term. and God willing, it works. <laughs> Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay, do you think that your customers drive your business as far as what products they want to see on, that you guys have available? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, I think it all, it's kind of a lot depends on the market. And being on the eastern end of Long Island, we have the Hamptons right here. And that clientele expects a certain service and they expect certain products. And if you can't provide both of those, they will happily take your money somewhere else. I think that the market, especially the fashion industry, of equestrian sports specifically changes every six months. One season this is in, the next season something else is in, and, or USEF decides to change laws and this is now what's allowed. And so I think that you have to be pretty amendable to being able to take merchandise in as quickly as it's got to go out and then you have to prepare for something else to come in its place, which is hard as a retailer because you'll I'll get the newest, greatest thing and then six months nobody wants it. So, I mean, that's a little bit of a tough uphill battle. I seem to be fighting, especially with everything being able to be available online and we're, we're still very brick and mortar. So, I mean, that's a big part of it, but we always try to have what the customers want, especially if you are in dire need of something, or if you're in crisis and you need it right then and there, it needs to be on my shelf so I can solve that problem for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the difference in your company, most likely, is if you don't have an online presence and it's not something people can immediately satisfy online, but they know they can call you and get that sort of service and delivery and you're taking care of them, 
that makes a huge difference, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, we have people that will take one bag of dog food and one supplement or whatever the case may be. And our trucks leave very early in the morning. And sometimes, unfortunately, they're out very late at night, but it's always there. And sometimes they're in and out without before you're even up. I mean, that way we're very dependable. But I think that, again, providing that service to back up the product is 50% of the battle. And Adrian, what would you say is the hardest part of serving your customers? I really can't answer that. Our customers, I'm like speaking from the heart right now. Like they really are great. They order online and unless there's an issue, I don't, I I wish I could give you an answer on that because I I don't like giving non-answers, but there's nothing hard about our customers. It's really easy. It's like you order online, you get the shipment. Christmas time's crazy. Sometimes Christmas time is really crazy. (laughs) The U.S. Postal Service can complicate things a little bit. But as soon as you show the customer that you sent it and the tracking went off, they seem to be okay. And maybe one time during Christmas, um, a customer will make me cry. But just just like on average one a year. But in general, there's nothing bad. No, No. no, I'll take it. So in general, there's nothing hard about them. How about Lindsay? Do you have some hard things about your customers serving them? Um, I think one of the hardest things would be having people special order something and then I bring it in and I stock it. For instance, you decide that you want to try this new horse feed that just came on the market. So I bring it on and they're getting it whatever, three, four bags a week. And then all of a sudden they decide to change their mind without telling me. And now I'm stuck with 20 bags of feed that I can't return and nobody wants. (laughs) Um, So that's a little challenging. And I would say that would probably be one of the biggest hurdles to overcome because again, coming back to what Adrian was saying, the customer's always right. It's not their fault. It's not our fault. It's just kind of one of those things that we all have to chalk it up to, unfortunately, it happens and it's part of business and you just have to roll with the pumpkins. Lindsay, yeah. do you and have those to, are some of those costs that you incur, right? Yes. In that you, Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to set boundaries with your customers, Lindsay? We do, unfortunately. Because we service all of Long Island and we are the biggest feed store on Long Island. We, especially in the summertime, we are very busy. We are the sole provider for the Hampton Classic Horse Show in August. And I mean, we are, the trucks leave at five o'clock in the morning and on a good day, they'll be back three, four o'clock in the afternoon. But sometimes, unfortunately, when it's really busy, I have drivers out until nine o'clock at night, which is not ideal. And sometimes if a person were to call their order in late and we are, I always try, we always try to be as absolutely accommodating as we can be and we take the order But because how things get loaded in the warehouse, if that customer now has to go on a second truck and they're not going to get their order until five o'clock the next day because they forgot to call in their order, then when they call and they're very upset and they're yelling at my staff because they haven't gotten their order yet, there has to be some boundaries set and some, you know, realistic expectations of we're going to make it happen. But unfortunately, I can't just you know, click my heels three times and it appears in an hour. 
Um, so in that way, yes. And unfortunately, with the ways of the world and COVID in 2020 being a crazy year that none of us have seen before, I had to set some other boundaries as far as accounts receivable and what people were and were not allowed. Mm-hmm. Everybody went through a little bit of a financial, I don't want to say crisis, but strange time for 2020. And we will do the best that we can to accommodate and to hold everyone's accounts for as long as we can, but we're also not a bank and we are a small business. There's only so much I can do. Yeah. There's, there's being understanding and giving a grace period. And then there's, we need to make our income too. Right. 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 I mean, I, in order for me to be able to get, you know, my product in to sell to all of my customers, that also is part of that is people doing their part and paying for the product and service that they're getting as well. For sure. And this maybe I think is a question more for Adrian, because I'm not sure there there would be a difference in what you do, Lindsay. But Adrian, do you notice any purchasing habits that are different from men versus women? Definitely. <laughs> women are the online shoppers and they're buying mm-hmm. for themselves and they're buying for their kids and they're buying for the men. So the women do it all basically is what you're saying. Yes, <laughs> they do. <laughs> they're taking they, care of everyone. They are. I mean, I think from a demographic standpoint, it's women only that shop on our site. Very mm-hmm. rarely it's a man and they're purchasing for themselves, their kids, and then sometimes their husband <laughs> or boyfriend or whoever mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> Do you find that there's a different customer experience for the times that men do purchase on your site or is it around the same Christmas, for everyone around Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of men around Christmas that come on. <laughs> yeah. And last minute too. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of last minute right. shoppers out there. <laughs> so. Christmas Eve and overnight delivery. Yeah. So with their price point, I'm thinking, okay, you're paying like double the amount just because you didn't order it early. We do a cutoff now, but then I Mm -hmm. get all these customers at the end that it's a mad dash. I'll usually find myself going to FedEx a lot. And we don't typically use FedEx because we offer free shipping and the prices are just really high. So And if you want FedEx, we do offer a more expensive option, but people really, we found people really want free shipping with Amazon. Amazon has really set the bar so high. People don't want to wait for their parcels and we've adapted to that and we have made it happen so that we offer fast free shipping. I think that's super important. I have a really good friend that owns a business also a boutique product within the equestrian industry. And she's super successful. But for a while, I would go on as a customer and purchase from her website and it would say three weeks. So she came to me recently and she said, I need to change something. I don't know what's going on, but my online sales have been down. And I said, listen, I'm going to speak to you from a customer standpoint. When I go on your website... I'm just more inclined to go locally to shop your product. I'm not really inclined to buy it online because when you see that it's going to take three to four weeks to ship. So she changed it and uh, sort of relaunched her website. And she called me the other day and she was like, wow, it's, it's 
there's such a difference because people just don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. You go on Amazon Prime and you pay a hundred dollars and for the year, right? And it's right. Yeah, and you get it in a day or two. Yeah. And I know Lindsay, you mentioned earlier dealing with vendors and you're the customer in that situation. You're purchasing for them to get the products in your store. How do you pick the best suppliers to work with? And are there any non-negotiables that you have in that relationship? Unfortunately, this a lot of this also stems back to what the customers want. It's not always about mm-hmm. what I want. It's about what the customers want. And I have to bring in the companies that will fill that niche for whatever the customer is looking for or whatever is speaking in the market right now. A lot of the vendors are great to work with and there's a lot of support. They're very helpful and they're very kind and they're accommodating and do everything that they can. However, there are some vendors that will not do the right thing by you and give you their word and then go and open someone else that's a few minutes down the road or promise you that there won't be any competition and then suddenly tax store or feed store has the same product. Yeah, (laughs) at times. But unfortunately, I think some of that you learn to get a thicker skin and deal with. And it's just kind of part of doing. But I would say that's Mm -hmm. the lack of support there with when they put you as a primary dealer and they make all these promises to you. And it's the same thing that if we do with our customer, if you tell me something that you're going to do, I expect you to hold true to your word and that you're going to do that just as I do. Mm to my customers because I feel that is something that's very important. We'll have more with Adrian and Lindsay right after you hear more from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Piper Clem, publisher of the Plaid Horse Magazine and host of the Plaidcast on Horse Radio Network. Do you have questions how price is determined in our industry and who is working in your best interests and the inner workings of how the equestrian community functions? What are your best choices with a limited budget? How do you expand your equestrian horizon? If any of these have been your questions over your time in this sport, check out thepladhorse.com slash college. I teach college credit classes at Clarkson University, where you can learn about the intuitive right decisions that can actually be wrong, norms and customs masking irrational decision making, and business as usual looks very different under an economic microscope. Learn more at thepladhorse.com slash college. These are online asynchronous classes designed to work around your horse show schedule and open to everyone. Last semester, we had people ranging from age 13 to 60. So come join us. Learn more at thepladhorse.com slash college and learn to calculate the true value of an investment in this industry. Learn to play the game by making the most of your resources and learn to think more productively, more creatively, and more rationally. This is a masterclass in understanding the incentives in the horse world. So Adrian, what are your thoughts on providing your product to retailers? I just want to touch on one thing that Lindsay said. I want to touch on the fact that because she's talking about something from a different perspective and then I'm the other perspective, right? One of the things that we did early on and that I've been really proud of is if you go to a horse show, you don't find our product in every mobile unit. So that's for two reasons, right? So the first reason is the retailers really don't benefit 
if you sell your product to every mobile shop at the horse show, because then they're all carrying the same product. So I never understood that as a consumer that I would go in and I would see X product at every shop and mobile unit at the show. So I forget what the second point I was going to make was, but oh, that you don't want to oversaturate the market because you want to try to position your brand to be exclusively offered, right? Because it's not exciting to walk into a shop and see that product in that shop and then the one next door. I think also you have to look at it from a few perspectives, But it's interesting that Lindsay said that she carries brands and then down the street, they'll carry the same brand. I don't think that's fair to do personally. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking clearly or they're not financially able to do their product exclusively with you. And I can understand that. Unfortunately, I don't mean to interrupt you. Most of the companies that do that are huge corporate companies that crazy that they, they can afford to put the product in one store and really focus on that one store and have that one store do well. But instead, like you said, they oversaturate the market and the long-term investment on that is not a great return because right. they, they shove something in somebody's face and then it becomes a price war and you're just devaluing the product time and time again, but they don't understand. You're devaluing your own product. That's something I just never understood. I was shopping around at horse shows and you go and get a hat and then the hat is next door at the other boutique. Definitely, it's interesting hearing your perspective because we have a lot of mom and pop shops and we want to keep those shops. It was quite challenging though during COVID because they wanted to all of a sudden put everything online Mm -hmm. and within our contract with our retail, that's just not an option because we do such a big business online. And our promise to them is that we'll keep it local and we'll just keep it in your shop. And we're not going to go into every other shop at the horse show, but at the same time, we need to maintain our online presence as the only place to go and get Roosbari products And I also did that for another reason was years before, if we were to get a big online retailer, which we did. So it was attractive to them to know that we weren't on the internet and searchable and found and bought everywhere. So I think that's a great business model to have. And I applaud and respect you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Adrian, I wanted to know if you consider have yourself having two different types of customers now that you're in Nordstrom and the equestrian world. Do you think that's two different worlds or are you servicing kind of the same people? I think we're pretty much servicing the same people. I don't interact with the Nordstrom customer. Um, the fulfillment center does, but you know, hopefully they come on to our social media sites and are excited about their product. It seems like it's going knock on wood really well. So, and you have control over the designs and and what goes to Nordstrom. They pick what the buyer picks what she wants in the shop. I don't choose. I think there's four styles from. They just picked us up a few months ago. There's four styles from the rose gold collection currently, and they keep selling out, which is great. 
but we're struggling to a little bit keep up with the demand. And then they now carry four styles of our new summer collection, which is really exciting. It's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I think you kind of touched on something of when your product gets picked up by by someone who's selling it and you don't have the contact with those customers. I think that's where your kind of online presence and your like you said your social media pages and everything become more important so that hopefully people are engaging with you that way even if you don't get to be the person on the other end of the purchase. Absolutely. I think all your Instagram really does is create a brand image, right? And we try to create our brand image through social media avenues, Instagram being our our biggest one. Great. I wanted to thank you guys for coming on and thank talking you. with us. Thank you. <laughs> it was really fun. It was really interesting. And Thanks. yeah, so much information that I learned and, and didn't know about not having really been in a retail world before. And thanks for talking about what you do and how you feel about it. And I hope that our listeners gain something from it as well. Usually at the end, we have our kind of fun rapid fire questions. Connor, if you want to start with the first one yep. for Adrian and Lindsay. Oh, Jesus. Okay. The, the first question is, what is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Oh, I have the answer to this one. You have to be independent, self-sufficient. And I do think it's attractive for men that you are independent, but I, I think that is the most important one. And as somebody that has previously been, I don't want to get too personal here, but you know, in a bad relationship or two, it's really important that you maintain your integrity and your independence. Being able to rely on yourself. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, how about you? Um, I would say to not, it kind of ties into what Adrian was saying, but like specifically with women, I feel like don't let somebody knock you down. If you feel very strongly about something, there's always this like women are crazy. If you feel very strongly and it's something that is important to you, don't back down for anybody. Stand up for yourself and be true to yourself and whatever that means that you hold that very dear to your heart. People need to have as much respect for you as you do yourself. What she said. Great. Your second question is, Lindsay, you can start with this one. What is the best habit that keeps you motivated? What gets me motivated, I think, is proof is in the pudding. So if you put the time and the effort in and you dedicate yourself to whatever that is, whether that's writing or growing a business or creating a new product or getting new customers, I come from a very dedicated, hardworking family that once you start to see results, you have to feed off of those results and you're only going to get better and you're only going to get stronger the more you persevere and dig into that. And that's kind of the biggest motivator to me is just that desire to succeed and always better myself. I hold the bar very high for myself and for my company and just average is never good enough. You have to be better than just average and you have to set yourself apart from everybody else. 
Great. And Adrian? So I don't quite remember the question, but I do remember habit. And the immediate thought in my head was riding horses. So that's <laughs> yeah. what it was. <laughs> I remember that word. Yeah, I think riding for a lot of people keeps their motivation and reminds them why they're in this business and why they work so hard to to do what they do because it gives them the opportunity to be around horses or it provides the mental break that you need from life or when things get hard, horses can always still be there for you too. So I think people often forget to live in the moment. Like for instance, you have a really good ride or you feel like you have a really good ride at a horse show and you just, I mean, I do dressage. So like you just came down your final center line and you salute it to the judge and you feel really good about your ride. If you feel good about how you rode and how your horse performed, that needs to be embraced before you get out of the ring and your coach says, you did that wrong. I think that sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit and it goes back to that. Like you feel like you've done well, you live in that. Stop letting people take the joy away from you. (laughs) Great. So our third question is, what is your favorite horse movie? (laughs) So Adrian, you want to go first? I remember I was probably 12 or 13 years old and there is a movie called wild hearts can't be broken. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Where she does the diving. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. It's amazing. And Lacey Marone, (laughs) my really good friend, we watched it together. That was a great movie. <laughs> yep. How about Lindsay? How about yours? I'd probably have to say mine is always Sea Biscuit, no matter how many times. Oh, that was like, <laughs> I, it. I can never get enough of it because you know the underdogs always got to win. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yep. That was a good one. I feel like a lot of horse movies are about the underdog winning. Mm-hmm. It's always a long shot. Right, well, thank you guys so much. Wrap us up. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thank you. Really appreciate you taking the time and hope you continue on your success with your businesses. And we can't wait to see what else happens. Thank, thank you. you so much. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. So I think that the customer's experience is really important. And I think that's what these ladies really helped us kind of learn and and talk about is the relationship that they have with their customers. And it's so different between the two of them, right? I was just going to say that. Yeah. (laughs) They really... They service so many different kinds of people. And I really liked hearing them talk about customer experience being so important to both of them. I did think it was interesting and I didn't realize kind of how different it would be for Adrian who has almost exclusively online sales versus Lindsay who is almost exclusively in-person sales and what that difference is. Yeah, I think that was a great balance between the two of them so that we could see kind of into two different types of businesses, but still trying to accomplish the same thing. Yeah. And how they go about doing that there's so many similarities. In the end, they're still trying to accomplish the same thing. Yeah. And how important it is for Lindsay to set boundaries and still be able to provide the service, but then the products too, and how important products are like Adrian's products, getting them to the customers and how Lindsay's products are really driven by her customers. Yeah. I think Adrian's all come from her own 
mind and her own creativity. And, and Lindsay is basically dictated to on what products she should have on the shelf. So there's that really interesting contrast between the two businesses there as well. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of cool talking to Adrian about the Nordstrom part of it and that the buyers choose what they want. But it sounds like yeah. she doesn't like design anything special for them. They just pick from what they want from what she already creates. That was such a big step for her and so important. And she was so excited about it. And actually, I was the one who sent out the press release announcing to the equestrian industry that Nordstrom was carrying her product. So it was really cool to see her go from my intern all the way to selling her products for her own business at a huge store like that. It was really cool to see. I mean, Nordstrom, it's not just any small place. Yeah, I'm really proud of her for sticking with her idea and being able to really make it such a successful business. And I was so impressed with Z2 and were a lot better than I do. But just hearing about the lengths that she goes to for her customers was really inspiring. Yeah, she's very dedicated to getting people what they want and what they need. And she services very high-end customers because she's out Mm -hmm. on Long Island in the Hamptons. So she has some pretty interesting customers that I know of that I think it's tough for her because she has to really do what they expect of her. Well, it was a great conversation. It'll be cool to see what people think about, about this episode and plan for the next one. Yeah. Another great episode. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now, go build your customer relationships.